Hey friends, welcome to episode 59 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm Doris Swift and I'm glad you're here today. I'm so thankful that you're listening in. And today I invite my friend Donna Amidon to the show. We're going to talk about what it's like to live surrendered to God's plan. Donna's going to talk about her experience uh, that she and her family had when they thought they were going in the direction that God would have them to go, but he redirected their steps. But as we know, nothing's ever wasted. So Donna has a lot to share about what she and her family learned through this journey. And we're answering the question, what happens when our best laid plans, the ones that we passionately pursue for God, unravel before our eyes? or seemingly unravel, but God always has an unexpected journey for us in faith so we can trust him. And I just love our conversation today. It started out really funny when I introduced Donna because I said she was a graduate from Southern Evangelical Cemetery and that was fun, but I should have left it in, but I, I took it out, but I wanted to share that with you. So I know what Donna has to say today will encourage, inspire, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Donna Amidon. to another episode of the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I am welcoming my friend, Donna Amidon. She's a graduate of Southern Evangelical Seminary. She's a wife to her college sweetheart of 20 years. And she's a mom who loves encouraging women to love and live out the word of God. And she's a musician too. So that's pretty cool. I'm excited to have you on today. Welcome to the show, Donna. Thank you, Doris. It is a joy to be here. I love that you have been married to your college sweetheart for 20 years. I love those long-term love stories, you know? It is a love story. We're going to actually, we're getting on a plane this evening to go to your state to visit and to just celebrate what God's done. Nice. So happy anniversary. Thank you. That's exciting. And it is so important to celebrate those events in our lives. Yes. It's easy to get busy with the kids. And I mean, it is work to get out. But um, once you do, I think we'll realize how much we needed it and we'll really be refreshed by it. So we're looking forward to it. You are a mom of two. Yes. Tell us about that. Well, I have a a 15-year-old daughter who loves art. She's amazing. And her art has her own little business where she sells custom pet portraits. And then um, my son is also has that entrepreneurial spirit. And he has a little coffee business that he sells coffee. And so um, we just have a lot of fun here. I'm homeschooling them, which is all consuming, but yet I would have it no other way in this season. And most of their school has been public education, Mm -hmm. but um, just, I think every season, as you know, we go through different seasons as women and as families, and you just do the best with what you have and what you feel like the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. So right now we're homeschooling and hopefully we'll be able to do that for the next few years. Nice. How can people check out your daughter's art? Because that's Ooh. pretty cool. Oh, Where can they find that? <laughs> Absolutely. She's on Facebook and it is Lucky Dog Art. And that's, you'll see her right there. There'll be a dog. I think it's our dog, our little Maltipoo. That's the little profile picture. But yeah, check her out for sure. Lucky Dog Art and she'll do custom paint portraits. That's awesome. I hope it's people fun. check that out. Yeah, they should. They should. <laughs> they will sweet. not be disappointed. And the coffee too. 
We have a little small coffee roaster here in the house. At first we started doing it in the kitchen, but that was kind of a bad idea. It sounds glamorous to have like coffee roasting in your house, but it, you know, like the smoke alarm only went off once, <laughs> but that was enough. It smells pretty bad when it's roasting. So he does it in the garage or on the back porch, but he'll roast just one bag at a time um, from coffee and then just sell it pretty much locally. But if you're really interested, we'll mail it to you. Of course, he does not drink the coffee. He's 12. He has enough energy for us all. So he does wow. not drink the coffee. He is 12. Your children have just, like you said, this entrepreneurial gifting yeah. that they are starting these businesses from a young age. That's amazing. And that is such a reflection on the parenting and how they're being raised. Is it what kind of coffee is it? Is it a certain type or does he make a few different types or? Mm-hmm. He has a few different types. So we order the coffee beans from um, a website and they come from Peru and Guatemala, but Peru is the best. That's the one I recommend. And that's the one we drink a lot of. And so he'll just roast it. You can have like the dark roast and there's a whole science and chemistry to it because it'll like pop kind of like popcorn and it'll crack. And that's like the first crack. And then if you want it darker, you go to the second crack and he just listens and it's pretty fun to have it kind of going on in the house. And then just have that fresh roasted coffee. It's fun. That's fascinating. I hope that the listeners will check that out. And I'm an avid coffee drinker, so yeah. I will be checking that out as well. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Oh, that is great. I would love if you would share with us a little about your story and how you're taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect, Donna. Well, Doris, I, like you, um, I think our passions are very similar. I have a passion for women and for the word of God for the Bible. What does the Bible say? What does it mean? How does this book written 2000 years ago to men and women in the Mediterranean apply to like me, the target mom and the Walmart mom? So we need to know the word of God. And here's why it's so important. And I think this would be where my conviction is. And you know this, Doris, I know this, but the world is constantly pulling us in, alluring us to to bow down to its idols. Right now, we don't have little statues in our house, but boy, do we have idols of beauty, of success, of status, of academia, of intellect. I mean, social media is a whole idol in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And not only that, in tandem with the world, we have the devil himself whispering his lies of doubt, of discouragement, of self-defeat, of confusion. But with that, there is good news. And that's, I guess, where my action would be. And that is that we as believers and daughters of King and sons of the King, We don't have to live prey to the enemy's schemes and the devil's deceptions. And that freedom comes as Ephesians 6 says, and as we see in Matthew 4, when he, when the devil came to tempt Jesus, the victory comes in the word of God and just knowing the word of God and what it says and what it means and applying it to those thoughts that kind of plague our minds as women and as humans. And so my passion, Doris, is just to see men and women liberated and come alive through the word of God and its relevance to their everyday life. And don't you think 2020 has been the year where those idols have been exposed? Just everything that we had built our security on or our comfort on, or just even the busyness of just everyday living can almost become an idol if it is drawing us away from the presence of God. You're right, because it has really shaken us in not a way that's a bad way, because I know the Lord says we will not be shaken, but I just know that it kind of opened our eyes to things that we were maybe complacent about, like you were 
bringing out. So I love that. I also loved when I was reading about some of the things you were sharing with me that you came to know Jesus at a very early age. Could you share that in a little bit about Billy, your neighbor? I thought that was a really cool and sweet story. It is such a sweet story. So I grew up in a small town in West Virginia. And when I was about four years old, we had a knock on our door and in walks this neighbor named Billy. He was probably high schooler, maybe a pinch older. He comes in with his Bible. Now we hadn't been going to church at all. He comes in, he sits down at the edge of our couch and I can still picture him. Now he opened his Bible and there's a picture of Jesus in his Bible, which I as a little girl, like four years old, I thought that was pretty amazing that they had a picture of Jesus. But again, he begins to explain the gospel to our family, just the boldness and the love of Billy sharing the gospel. And I was absolutely gripped by what he said. Now I was little, but yet there was just this knowing that this is right. Like what he is saying is right. And as a result of his visit, our family started attending a little Baptist church and um, my brothers, and my mom came to Christ. And a few months after attending that church, I knew one Sunday morning that I needed to ask Christ into my life to forgive me my sin so that I could walk with him in this life and then enjoy a beautiful place called heaven when I die. And so I'm so thankful for Billy. I'm so thankful for his boldness. I love that for so many reasons. I wanted to bring that up because we cannot discount what God can do through young people. We look at our youth groups and we see that they have a heart for Jesus and they have a heart for the lost. And they are not only becoming disciples, but they're also making disciples even at their young age. And you at your young age, not to discount the fact that it is important for us to just continually allow our children to hear the word and to be exposed to that. You have the example like Billy just knocking on your door and coming in and just wanting to share his his faith with you and the gospel. That's so sweet. So. It is so sweet. And as a mom, I mean, we know, we know this is mom, but just what I, I think it's sometimes overwhelming to think, okay, how do I disciple my children? How do I raise them up? And it's intimidating. And of course the enemy comes in with his deceptions and tells us that we can't do it at all. Mm. But I just kind of picture myself as a farmer, just every day, just planting a seed, just planting seeds, just, just telling them the word, just watering that seed with, with love in the word. And, you know, now that my daughter is a teenager, I see so many teenagers and just kind of pulling back from their parents. And, you know, I'm not really wanting to hang out, but I was counseled once when they start doing that, just pursue, 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 keep getting in their life, keep engaging with them. Don't let them start wandering, but just pursue them with love, meet them in places and locations where you can connect with them in the car or a shopping trip for my daughter and just always pursue that relationship because they're going to need, when, when things get tough, they need to know that they can find refuge in their relationship with their parents. That's just been, I mean, I'm not a parenting expert, but um, that's just kind of been what I've done along the way that I've seen the fruit of just to keep pursuing that and just keep engaging with our kids and just depositing the word of God daily into their lives, not mechanically, uh, but just naturally through conversation and just trusting that I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit junior. I just need to deposit that word and then let the Holy Spirit bring them up in the way that they should go. And the other thing that comes to mind is also just praying for our kids. I think it's easy just to kind of wear out, okay, I've prayed for them every day. Do I need to pray for them again? But, oh, we do need to pray for our kids. We need to pray. Yeah. Thank you for that reminder. And 
and about being intentional. We can get busy in our own stuff. We want to definitely be intentional about um, investing in the lives of our kids. And in my case, in our kids and grandkids, it's just a great opportunity when you have those precious moments and captive audiences in the car. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So thank you, Donna. That's going to encourage some moms out there today who are struggling and feeling like they're doing it all wrong. Doesn't that happen when we feel like, oh man, I'm just totally epic fail right Absolutely. now. So that's going to be encouraging. So tell us about some things in your life that God has brought you through and how that has molded and shaped what he has called you to in this season of your life. Mm. Well, there was a period of time about four or five years ago when we moved around a lot. And then in the period of about eight months, we lived in four different houses. It wasn't like we were just living with different people. We like owned or rented a house. What had happened is we were in Charlotte. We felt like God was calling us to plant a church in Tucson. So we went out to Tucson to plant a church. Now I say that in about 10 seconds, but that's a lot of work. <laughs> we went out, but yet we had a lot of vision. We, we felt like the, just the wind behind our sails kind of feeling. We get out there in Tucson, everything was just falling into place. We found this church that was going to launch us. The kids were able to attend a private school. We got a puppy. I mean, it was just, it's like life could not have been sweeter. And right before we were going to be launched by this church, they asked that we go attend a church planters assessment week in Kansas City. So this is just normal protocol. They wanted to take you to this assessment to see if you have the grit, so to speak, of what it takes to plant a church, because if any church planters listening out there, my hats are off to you (laughs) completely. So we go to this assessment and long story short, at the end of the assessment, they sit us down in this room, fluorescent lights, just these two gentlemen across the table from us. And they say, Mr. and Mrs. Amadon, you all are wonderful, but we're not going to recommend you to be church planters. Now, this was devastating for us. We were polite and walked out of the room, but we're heartbroken. My husband just kind of left. He went for a walk. I I knew he was going to come back. I didn't know where he went, but he was gone. And I just went into the hotel room and just sobbed because we had felt like we were right in step with God. We thought we were in this fierce calling that we were right where God wanted us to be. But I think what we realized is that what many people realize, and that's this, that our plans are not always God's plans. And we had something in mind to do for God, but that was not as planned. And so we had to trust in that moment that his plan, though it wasn't our plan, was going to be the best plan. So after that happened, what came next? Well, we knew that the church plant wasn't going to work in Tucson. And, and so we wrestled with what was next. And that part of us that can discern what God's saying and kind of can sense what he's doing, we just kind of felt like that was broken. We didn't know. and. What we did know is the truth. We knew that God loved us. And we knew that even though our plan wasn't his plan, his plan would be the best plan. And so we didn't really want to live in Tucson. And so we started looking for cities to live on the East Coast. And this was kind of a challenging thing for me because, you know, sometimes we think, well, God's going to speak to me this way and he's going to confirm it through this person that I'm going to read the verse in the Bible. And it's, you know, it's not always that pretty and it's not always that put together. Sometimes God just wants us to walk in the wisdom we have and to take that step of faith, knowing that he has not left us. And that if we are in obedience to him, if we are delighting ourselves in him, that he will truly give us the desires of our heart and that he will make us prosper, of course, not monetarily or in the world, but just prosper with joy and with fruit. And so 
like I said, we didn't know where to go. And so we just started looking at East Coast cities. Now, this is where it gets kind of funny. We didn't know where to go. We had no prompting whatsoever, but we were open to whatever God wanted. And we weren't carrying this attitude of, well, God, you know, we're going to do what we want to do and see we on you. You know, we were like, God, we want to do what you want to do. And we looked at cities and found this little place in Virginia that had a little reservoir and affordable houses around the reservoir and good schools for our kids who were in public school at the time. And we thought, God, we're laying this at your feet and this is what we're going to do. We know that you haven't left us. We know that you haven't forsaken us, but this is where we're going to go. And we want you to come and lead us. We don't want you to come like, oh, come along, but God, we want you to, to lead us. Like Moses prayed, like, I don't want to go from here until you show me your glory. That was the attitude that we had. And, but we didn't see his glory and we didn't know what to do, but we did this knowing that he would not leave us or forsake us. And I think that whole process, Doris, just works something so deep and so beautiful in our hearts. Because when we went to Arizona, it was this mentality of God, I mean, this a little arrogance, but it's like, God, you're, you're lucky to have someone like us on your team kind of attitude. But wow, after we went through the disappointment of that church plant and that assessment, when we went back to the East Coast, our heart was completely different. It was God, Father, we are your servants and we would be honored to serve in wherever you choose and whatever you want us to do. We're not going to make the agenda. We're surrendering our plan to yours. And so now that's where we're at. And we've been here four years and my husband's not a pastor. He's working finance and I'm not in church work. I'm homeschooling, but that's the best plan. And even though we wanted to do something for God, he wanted to do, to do something in us. Mm. He wanted us to trust him. He wanted to increase our faith and to live even more surrendered to his plan. Thank you for sharing that and how that whole experience was so humbling for you all to come to a place where God wanted you like, Hey, it's not about what you're going to do for me. I can get this done. You know, if it needs to get done, I want you in the shadow of my wings. I want you to just be my kids, you know, absolutely, and, and just walk in obedience and trust and draw near. And I, that, that was just a beautiful picture of how that all went down. I know at the time it didn't feel so warm and fuzzy, but I guess that pruning process too can take place in our hearts and really make a big transformation and change and yes. say, okay, this is where we have you now. And you all are on the mission field and you are in ministry doing what God's called you to do and ministering to your children. And that is an important calling right there. And then wherever your husband is, there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus there. Absolutely. And, and I would love to, if you would share more about how you are so passionate about women learning the word and you have some encouraging ways that they can do that and some important things that they can remember and some next steps for their lives. Well, Doris, right now I am, um, like I said, homeschooling the kids, but I'm a big believer in the local church. And in Matthew 16, we see Jesus saying that he would build his church. So he's not building my ministry. He's not building your ministry. He's building his church. And so what my posture has been, particularly after everything that happened in Tucson and all those moves is that I see the best place for me to be and for really anyone to be is finding the local church and supporting the local church and being a part of that and loving women and just finding your spot in the local church. 
it's what God is building. And first Timothy, it talks about how the church is the pillar and source of truth. And so for me in this season, I've become very involved in leading ladies Bible studies at my church that leading Bible studies has led to me now writing a Bible study that hopefully many, many women will be able to read one day. So it's just, it's just that natural progress of just delighting ourselves in the Lord, abiding in him, John 15, and just, and letting him produce the fruit. Our job isn't to produce the fruit. Our job is to abide in him. And so that's, that's kind of what it looks like for me now. Love that reminder because sometimes we try to do God's job. I have a friend, Mary Lynn, and she would always say that she's so sweet. And she's like, I was trying to do God's job because <laughs> we do, we, we try to take these things on our, upon ourselves and get overwhelmed doing something we're not even called to do. Absolutely. Yeah, it's God's job. So, and I love that you're doing that local church and sharing um, truth with women and how I know it excites you when you see the light bulb and that they're getting it and they're getting excited about the word because the word can be a little intimidating if, if we don't really know how to approach it or how it all fits together and how the old Testament new Testament is one continual story. And this is just amazing to be able to be in a position to lead and teach women in that way. So I love that. And that God is leading you now to write a Bible study. That is. is awesome. It is. It is no small endeavor. And as you know, Doris, like <clears throat> I've said, if I ever see anyone that has published a book, I will go up and give them a hug. I don't care about social distancing or, I mean, I'm just going to give you a hug because that is a huge task. But yes, I've written this Bible study. Um, you and I have that a lovely agent, Blythe Daniel, and um, just working toward hopefully getting that on the shelves or on Amazon or wherever it's going to be purchased to encourage women. Amen. Praise God. And I'll have to have you back on after that launches. (laughs) Absolutely. Because it's going to launch. That's right. So yeah, God has ordained that to happen. So, but I love that so much and how he's using our gifts and, um, and it is so special that we are also together in the, uh, like Daniel agency. I think that's so sweet. Because we're sisters in so many different ways. That's right. (laughs) How he connects us, you know, in the most crazy and sweet ways that we would never have thought, No, you know, that we would meet people and that's how he puts people together. And that's so precious. So, and I love too, that you have a heart also to help women move forward in the things that they feel stuck in, or they're not sure what their next step is, or they're getting anxious about that or overwhelmed and what are some great ways that they can just look to the Lord and trust him in those things? Yeah, that's a great question because I feel like particularly in the season that we're in that I think a lot of us just feel like we're hitting a wall. Mm. We've we're running this marathon, we're at mile 21 and we've, we can't go back, but we still got a little ways to go and just pushing through. And I feel like so many women out there are so discouraged and men so discouraged, kind of feel stuck. And declaring the call. And I think what I want to do is just for a second is just stir our faith. Just stir our faith. James 5.16 says, it is the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous one that avails much. You know, people have this this, uh, argument over, well, does prayer really change things or does it just change the person? But I believe on my own experience and the authority of scripture that prayer changes the person and it changes the situation. You know, here's what I mean. Like 
Doris, when you pray for your children or your grandchildren, or when that listener prays for their children or their calling, we are inviting the activity of God, the activity of the Holy Spirit, the person of Jesus into that situation in a way that would not have been there if we would not have prayed. And this really hit me um, the other day. I was looking at Paul's letters in the New Testament, Colossians and Thessalonians and others. And I don't know if you've noticed this before, but he ends many of those letters with these words, pray for me, pray for me. And it hit me, you know, these aren't just anecdotal comments, or this isn't just a spiritual way of saying goodbye. Paul knew something that we cannot forget, that we cannot forget in 2021 when it's just getting so hard. We cannot forget that when people pray and when we pray, that God moves, God moved on Paul's behalf and God intervenes and enters into that situation that we're praying for in a way that he would not have done unless we would pray. And so Mm -hmm. when it comes to calling or really just abroad, I'll cast the net any area of our lives, just kind of igniting the heart, igniting the heart for prayer and returning to prayer and just talking to God and, and about your situation and asking him, for those specific things that we need. It makes a huge, huge difference. I've seen it, you know, in my life. I think, Doris, you would probably have the same stories of just seeing when we just take that moment to press in a little more and pray that God was, that's, God's going to do something. He's going to honor that. What a great reminder. And what an encouragement about prayer. Because like you say, we can get so stagnant about whether we should pray or we already prayed about that. And things can seem redundant at times or rote, which is not really the kind of prayer that God is calling us to anyway. I mean, just wrote all just like saying words, but not from the heart kind of thing. So thank you for that reminder. And also how Paul asked for prayer and how important that is. You know, I know that it is your heart too, for women to see that every word that was God breathed, there is an importance and there is a message and there is purpose behind it. So I love that reminder that we should continually pray and that it activates something that it it, it moves something. I just think about it too, because sometimes people will say, oh yeah, but God already knows that I want that, or God already knows that I need that or whatever. Yes. God knows all our needs and all our desires and all of that. But isn't it precious when like a child asks for something or just shares their heart about why they think something's cool or why they think that it would be a good thing or because it prompts a conversation. It's not just about ask, ask, ask all the time. It's like having a conversation with God and he longs to talk with us. Absolutely. It reminds me of that verse in Matthew six, when right before Jesus taught about the Lord's prayer, he says, your father knows what you need. And then the next thing he says, therefore ask, Mm. I think we fill in the blank with our own. So, well, God knows what I need. Therefore I don't need to pray. Jesus counters that with saying, no, therefore ask. And it's when we ask, um, we receive, I think of Philippians four, you know, it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your what? Make your requests. God convicted me when we lived in another state years ago. I remember we were on our back porch and I was just complaining to God. Aren't we good at that sometimes? Oh, yeah. I was complaining at God. And I read that verse and that word, that one word requests jumped off the page. 
And I realized it hit me. What I had been calling prayer was just this complaint, Mm -hmm. like this litany of complaints I was giving God. And that hit me like, what can God do with these complaints? How is this faith at all to complain to God? But he says, bring me your requests. Tell me what you need. It's kind of like when your kids come in, I'm hungry, I'm bored, I'm tired. I'm like, well, can you just ask a question and not complain? And so I think our father in heaven loves us like that. And he's like, can you just not complain? Because what can I do with that? Tell me what you need. Ask specifically for what you need from me and watch me move. Watch me move in your life. I love that. That's so true. Thanks for bringing that up. You know, we don't think about those things sometimes. And then when something hits, you're just compelled to share it because someone else needed to hear that today. So as you were saying, it's like, okay, so what are we going to do about this? You know, and then, oh, okay, now I can use this or now we can get to work. Now we can, well, now we can make some things happen. Absolutely. God's so waiting for that. us to ask. We have yeah. not because we ask not. Yeah. So that's a Such big a part change of change in perspective. It is. Be and it's a better, <laughs> and I tell you, I feel a lot better um, after I pray when I've actually asked God for something rather than just gone over and rehearsed all my problems yet again to the throne of grace. It's much more effective to ask. I've learned. I agree. That's amazing. So thank you for sharing that. What are some great ways that the Lord has shared and put on your heart to encourage women in moving forward if they feel stuck? Well, first I said, pray. Um, And the second thing is just kind of rediscover that purpose. What is it and why is it that you're, what you're doing? I think you and I probably grew up with that mindset of what's God's will for my life. And what mm-hmm. is, you know, that what, 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 but I heard Andy Stanley say one time, change the question to this, change it from what to who. And so rather than saying, God, what have you called me to do? Say, God, who have you called me to love? Wow. And that has a way of just um, refining and defining the purpose and the calling that we have. That's cool. There's a song that my friend Kate Hurley wrote. She had been a guest before too, and her music is amazing. And there's a line in one of her songs that says, and you love the world through me. And it just, that really hit me because it's like, God loves the world through me. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. So that kind of tied right in with that Andy Stanley. Things. So thanks for sharing that. And so that question from what to who was really powerful for us, even when we went through everything we did with Tucson, because it had been what this, you know, plant this church, plant this church. And then when we moved to Richmond. It was no God, not what, but who, who have you called me to love? You've called me to love my husband, Titus too. You've called me to love my children. And now you've called me to love the women in my church through encouraging through them, through the word. And God will increase that as he sees fit. So that question from going from, from what to who and purpose. So there's a, it's about prayer. It's about finding that purpose. And another thing that comes to mind is to just trust the process. I taught piano for years and I had this piano student come in. She was an adult and we had been there maybe about five minutes and I had showed her where middle C was. I was showing her how to hold her hands. And she looked over at me a little disgusted and said, so um, Donna, how long does this take? Like, when am I going to be able just to sit down and play a piece of music? In my head, I'm thinking about eight or 10 years, <laughs> but I said, it's going to take a while and we've just got to enjoy the journey. 
We've just got to trust the process. And I think when it comes to walking in what we believe our calling is, our fierce calling, or any really thing that we put our hand to for the glory of God, mm-hmm. we've got to remember that we've got to trust the process. It's going to take longer than we think it's going to take. It will likely look different than we think it's going to look. Yeah. We wanted to plant a church, but God had something different for us. And at the end, we just can trust that however it turns out is the best way, that God's way that God's plan is the best way and the best plan. So that third thing is to just trust the process and just enjoy the journey. Love that. Enjoy the journey and trust the process because we always want to rush to the end. Absolutely. And it's not about the end game all the time. It's about what are we learning and growing and doing and who are we loving through that process? You and I are working on this book and it's so easy to make the book the goal. But I have learned just for my own sanity that that is not the goal and just to fall in love with the journey mm. and just, just embrace the process and fall in love with that journey. And there's so much more joy there. And just know that each day is, is a day we can glorify God. We're not looking for something down the road. Like today, love someone today and we've glorified God and we've walked in that fierce calling. Yes. That's a great word right there for a listener that needed to hear what do I do? What do I do next? You know? And so when I asked that question about where you're taking action, where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect, that can be a little overwhelming to some people if they go, well, I don't, wow, that's a big question, but actually it's like you just said, what can we do today? Take one step in loving someone and also how you brought out who am I going to love? You know, your husband, your children, and the ladies at your church. We make things so complicated sometimes, don't we? Yes. <laughs> we try to and make we, it complicated. And we we build our identity and our value on things that God never meant. I mean, Facebook, we don't have to go there long, but we should go there just for a second. I mean, yeah. Facebook and Instagram, we have these like numerical counts of how many likes we have and how many followers we have, but that is not the kingdom of God. That's not the heart of our father mm-hmm. who just wants us to love the one in his name. To, to bring the cup of water for the one, to love the widow, the orphan, the one. That's, that's success in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen to that, sister. Yes. That's a good word there. <laughs> so we've, we've looked at prayer. We've looked at redefining that purpose and trusting the process. And then the fourth thing that really struck me as I was praying for you and the listeners today is to be reminded that God's presence is with us. I mean, sometimes I think we, we feel like we have this assignment or call from God. And though we know he's with us, we practically don't live that way. We're worried. We work way too much. We're feeling like it's all up to us. But I'm reminded, and I was reminded just this week of Matthew 28, where Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I am with you. And he says, yeah, he says, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. And what's interesting to me is that he actually wasn't with them physically because right after he said that, he went to heaven with the Father. But we turn the page to Acts chapter one and we see that his presence was given to empower people to be his witness. And so I think that we always need to be reminded, particularly in those seasons of discouragement, of depression, of feeling like we're not making a difference, of just feeling stuck, whether you're just stepping out in ministry or whether you've been doing it for years, 
God is with you. And when we open our eyes and see, like, God's here. He's here with us in the podcast. He's here with you in the car. He's here with you wiping your kid's yucky nose. I mean, he's with you. And just to enjoy that partnership that we can share with the King of Kings, it brings a joy like nothing else. Absolutely. Thank you for that reminder, because you're right. We need to live like it because it's real and it's true. And we need to live like the children of God that we are. That's who we are. And it it is true. When life gets crazy, we forget that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the power that rose Jesus from the dead in us and to equip us and never leave us, like you say. And it's so hard sometimes for people to wrap their minds around that too, because all of us really, it's it's big and it's impactful, you know, because earthly parents aren't always with you. They're not going to be able to always be with you. And maybe you don't even know your parents. Maybe you don't even know who your parents are. And that has been kind of a wound. And I know that you have talked a lot about how lies are tied to wounds. Absolutely. What I've learned in times of wounding and uncertainty and trouble what I've seen in my life and in the life of others is the enemy often attaches a lie to that wound. If we were abused as a child or neglected by a spouse or mistreated in a work environment, or if we have a child that's walked away from the Lord, when that happens, we are become very open to and vulnerable to the deception of the enemy. We'll hear lies like, oh, you aren't good enough, or it's all your fault they did this, or you're unlovable, you've made too many mistakes, you're too young, you're too old. They're real. I know when we went through our disappointments in Arizona, I mean, let me tell you, we faced some negative feelings with that, feelings of would I ever feel joy again? Would we really ever bounce back from this? Feelings of self-worth and God's love. And as I look back at all those feelings we had, I realized that they were just lies, Lies that we were believing about the goodness of God, his care for us, the validity of his word. And so it's so important, as you were saying, when we find ourselves in those times of uncertainty and pain and perplexing situations that we can't base our conclusions on what we can see with our eyes, but we have to anchor our minds and harness our emotions to truth in God's word so we can avoid just kind of being led down those self destructive paths and, and actions. And sometimes, you know what it takes Doris? it just takes finding one promise in the Bible, mm-hmm. just finding one promise we can cling to for our situation after that wounding and hold on to that promise and just determine to not give up and just press through and know that God will bring you through and that you will know him more in the end. Praise the Lord for that. I love this conversation we had today. I know it's impacted me and I know that the listener really needed to hear what you had to say today that the Lord put on your heart and tell us how they can reach you. I would love to share. I would love to um, interact and connect with your listeners. Doris, you have a beautiful ministry here and I love your heart and I love your passion and I just love your humility and your joy. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. And I would love to, to get to know those who know you. And if they want to visit my website, it is Ignite the Heart. 
That is ignitetheheart.org and go there. You'll see a little pop-up window and be sure and click on that and then you can subscribe. And when you do, I have just created a new resource that I'm calling Calm Confidence calm confidence. And it's about that negative narrative. It's about that lady in our head that just will not be quiet and is so mean to us, but it's about five ways just to silence that negative narrative and the self-defeating thoughts that we women all wrestle with. We look at a story in the Old Testament from Caleb. We look at kind of a little character study of him and how he overcame his situation and rose up and just moved forward and what God had for him. So that's a free resource that I'm offering to all the listeners today. I would love to connect with them. Thank you, Donna. That is a valuable resource. And I think every woman needs that right now. So be sure to check out Donna's website and grab that resource that she's offering. And as always, I will put all of those links in the show notes so you can connect with Donna and find her. And I just, I've been so blessed by our talk today and getting to know you, Donna, has been amazing as well. And I'm just thankful to the Lord, you know, that he, he put us together. The word says it's such a time as this. <laughs> crazy time. This crazy time. This is, this is one of those times. No, it's been a joy. And I just love the kindred spirit and the kindred heart that we have as we pursue Christ together. We're sisters. Yes, we are. Praise God. And, and thank you so much. I just want to say that God is good. He loves us. And as Donna reminded us to keep praying and remember that God never leaves us nor forsakes us. So thank you, friend. And I hope to have you on again. Would love that. Thank you, Doris. that book come out, (laughs) that would be great. And so we look forward to that. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and I hope this conversation today with Donna blessed you, and if there was something that really resonated with you in the show, we would love to hear from you, and you can connect with Donna, as she said, at ignitetheheart.org and at donnaamadon.org, and I will have all of those links for you in the show notes, and as always, I'd love to connect with you too at doraswift.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the show notes page and I have some free resources for you so you can join my email list and we can stay connected. And I really, really love today's conversation because, you know, when we were talking about how God calls us to just reach and serve the one, well, we can do that, friend. We can serve the one. So each day when we rise, Let's do this together. Let's ask the Lord, who is the one today, God, that I'm to reach for you and for your glory? I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friends, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.